Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Let's start with a quote. We're using this book, How to Change Your Life, for inspiration this month. And the material started in kind of a unique way for this week. It's a quote. You can tell it's a quote. Ernest Holmes uh, didn't uh, leave us with an attribution, but I figured it out, and I'll share that with you, too. He says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The, by the putting off of the old person and the putting on of the new person. Well, the clue, of course, is that ye thing in there. It <laughs> kind of seemed a little bit uh, like uh, the King James Bible to me. And so, so sure enough, I looked it up. It comes from Romans. And I thought I'd read just a little bit more of it in context for you. So from Romans 12, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so today I want to talk about this idea of the patterns of the world. I want to talk about what that means to us in terms of our own desires to make changes in our lives, to take on uh, new ways of being, to increase our abilities to love, to, to have more, to do more, to be more on the planet. Because there might be a little bit of a tide, if you will, going against us sometimes. And I think we ought to look at that honestly. So first of all, i got a question for you. Are we stuck in worldly patterns? You're all kind of looking a little dazed in the headlights here. <laughs> yeah, we all are. We are stuck in some of the strongest, most amazing, and I would say actually largely good, but nonetheless mental patterns of all time. And I wanted to run by just a few of them with you. I, I picked some of the more, shall we say, controversial ones, just because I can. And, uh, and I thought we'd have fun with it. First of all, one of the mental patterns that I think the whole planet has, all of the human planet anyway, is that we get old, we get sick, and then we die. How much of that do you think is a convention? How much of that do you think happens because we expect it to happen? Now, I, I'm not uh, advocating the idea that we pray for eternal earthly life here. I mean, I, I think that might be something a little awkward. And, and yet, does this, does this accepted progression of age and, and body decay and things like that need to be what it is? Do we need to accept it at the level it is? How about another one? Nothing and nobody lasts forever. It's kind of getting at the heart of America's planned obsolescence, isn't it? And yet, don't we buy into that? Isn't that just a common thing you, you hear people say? Well, nothing lasts forever. How about life is hard work? Oh my gosh, here's the American dream. And the one that right after it, happiness requires money, which requires great effort. Weren't you raised with the very idea that we have to work hard if we want to get anywhere? I remember getting my first allowance, and it was tied to what? Taking out the trash and mowing the lawn, right? It's like, if we're going to get somewhere, be prepared for some hard work. And there might even be a corollary to that, that just life is hard. Life requires a lot of effort. How about love is risky business? 
Now that one, I don't know that it was said to me in exactly the right way, but it seemed to me from the very first time that I went out on my first date that there was a huge risk involved. <laughs> I can still, re- I mean, I'm sure we have this idea of teenage girls going through a lot to get ready for a date. I gotta tell you, it's no different for boys. It just doesn't involve makeup as all. <laughs> or at least for most of us, it doesn't require makeup. These days, who knows? <laughs> all right. So what about these mental patterns, right? I would suggest to you that many of these mental patterns are what cause the universe as we know it in some ways to hold together. Let's even just take the first one just for a second. What if we didn't get old? What if it wasn't inevitable that we get sick? What if our physical lifespans on this planet could be indefinite? What if we didn't buy into that whole thing? What if all of us, as, a, as the human race, decided we could live as long as we wanted to and as healthy as we could? Now, we know through the power of our own creative thinking that God would say yes to that. And I would suggest to you that if everyone on the planet believed that, maybe it would be like the Old Testament days when people lived for 900 years. Maybe it could be like that. But can you see it happening? Isn't it like the, the heaviest immovable object that you could possibly imagine? I mean, what? Maybe half the world is based in terms of companies and jobs on those very things taking place, right? It's like everything having to do with medicine would be out the window. Everything having to do with planning for retirement and the job market would be out the window. Everything having to do with, uh, with death benefits and insurance companies. And, and I mean, can you imagine? The entire planet would be set on its ear. This is like the original immovable object, right? And if any one of us tries pushing against it, Are we going to be very successful? Probably not. I want to move on to something that requires maybe a little less effort, a little less movable. Now, you know we're working on this month. Each one of us has been uh, 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 championed, if you will, to take an area in their life where we want to make improvements, where we really want to do have a fresh idea and make some progress in our lives, whether it be in the job world, whether it be in our love life, whether it be in having more peace in our homes and our relationships. Each one of us, hopefully, has taken on some uh, self-improvement project from the inside out, from our, our brains forward, and we're going to work on it this week. And many of you know that I picked on joy. I want to see more joy in my life. I want to have that kid-like sense of wonder and joy in the world and have it more have it more lasting than just now and then. And so, I did this analysis of what the world believes about joy. And I just wanted to share it with you. And I would say that you too can do this about love, around jobs, around couples, around uh, whatever it is. You too can ask yourself, what does the world think about this? Well, here's what I came up with with joy. First thing that occurred to me is that kids get joy for free, but we adults have to work for it. There's that sense, if you will, that I will work maybe 50 weeks a year so that I can have a few weeks of vacation. Do you know what I mean? That I have to earn my joy. You know, as, as children, I've even heard people say, well, now, wait a minute, don't pressure them. They're just a child, right? They should just be enjoying life. When did that stop? 
When did I have to when did I have to look in the mirror and say I'm too old for fun? And yet, I would suggest that we believe that as a in general as a human race that adults have responsibilities that the adults have to work that adults have to do things that are not joyous that are not fun like and now and then we get time off for good behavior <laughs> that, that, that now and then we get to schedule a vacation that that now and then we'll have time to play with the grandkids or whatever it is right and i would go one up further don't we as adults suddenly believe that our joy comes from stuff and things. I was looking through, uh, actually I was kind of missing my mom. She's been gone for, gosh, close to 10 years now. And over the Christmas holidays, I was missing her a little bit and I got out her old photo book. And, and there was a photo in there that is so pertinent to what we're talking today. There's a photo of me, probably at about seven, looking outrageously joyous and happy. And you can tell it's Christmas because there's a Christmas tree in the background. And kind of next to the Christmas tree is a big stack of presents and I think they were mine. <laughs> I have that kind of look, that kind of look, right? But you know what? I'm totally ignoring them. The same year, my mom got my father a television set. And guess what I'm doing? I'm playing in the box that the television set came in. You know, big stack of toys, and I'm just lit up like the Christmas tree playing in this box. And you know what? That's the truth of it. The joy comes from within. It doesn't require a certain setup of, of toys or things like that. We all, and children, uh, children just do this naturally. It's like, well, what's here? I can have fun with it. And if there's nothing here, well, that's fine too. I can have fun with this. <laughs> when did we stop believing in that? When did we start telling ourselves, I need to have a hobby to have fun. I need to play golf to have fun. I need to get away from something in order to feel something different. When did we start saying that our joy is based on the situation? I only get to have fun when I'm with my grandkids. I, I only get to have fun when I'm uh, uh, out playing you know, with the dogs or whatever it is. Why did that change? Do you notice, though, that once again, we're up to not just the ideas that I have in my own head, but the ideas that we, in general, believe to be true. And this is important, and it leads me to today's joke. <laughs> All right, and I hope, I hope a lot of you enjoy this. I've gotten requests for other of Mullah Nasruddin jokes from the, uh, the ancient Persian tradition. And so here's another Mullah Nasruddin story. Uh, so a young Mullah Nasruddin was courting. He'd been calling on the same girl for over a year. One evening, the girl's father stopped him as he was leaving the house and asked, Look here, young man, you've been seeing my daughter for a year now, and I would like to know whether your intentions are honorable or dishonorable. Well, Nasruddin uh, kind of thought for a moment, and his face lit up. Do you mean to say, sir, he said, that I have a choice? <laughs> And here's what I would like to do. <laughs> here's what I would like to do. I would like to suggest that we do have a choice. Not only just in what we do in the world, but what we believe in it, our intentions around it. Our, our choices are very, very granular. 
And even if the world may be set up with certain common beliefs, let's say the world does think that it's a, it's a little touch and go for adults just to feel outrageous joy, I can say, so what? Let us say that the world believes that first we get old, then we get ill, and then we die. And I will tell you that's fine, but maybe that doesn't exactly have to be my pattern. We have the ability to make changes for ourselves. Now, I don't want to make light of that weight of the world out there, right? Because if we start behaving entirely as though the rules don't apply to us anymore, and notice how even when I say the rules, it's like, well, whose rules? Right? It's like, can't I have my own rules? Aren't I in charge of this vessel that I think of my mind and my body? And yet, if you break too many of society's conventions, won't it feel like you're right up against the rules that someone set up for you? So I don't want to minimize that. And at exactly the same time, I want to suggest, even as Nasruddin did, a sudden awakening of freedom, a sudden awakening of choice in your lives. If someone has else has set up some rules, you can break them. You need to know what they are, right? You need to know that if you start living past 130, newspaper people will be at your door daily wondering what your secret is, and maybe that would be an okay thing. You need to know that if you go your entire life without visiting a doctor, that probably a medical journal will be hounding you to figure out what the secret is, you know, what your frame of mind is, and, and maybe that would be an okay thing. There are consequences of breaking the rules, if you will, but might they be perfectly fine? Might it be that it is our own fear of the rules that keeps us from breaking them and not the real consequences? Could it be that we are free to experience joy no matter what age we are? Could it be that we are free to be whole in our bodies and have a, a liveliness of our being that transcends age? I'm here to tell you it is possible. We have to believe Brief segue here, and then I'm going to give you some, some actual, uh, I don't know, hopefully inspiration for moving a, a forward in our own individual plans for transformation this month. And the, the segue is simply that, why do you think that God says, supports us in these plans? You know, why isn't something that we answer too much around here? Sometimes we get the idea that because God isn't a human, and thank God, God isn't a human, right? Those pictures of God sitting on the cloud, looking in the book to see whether you've been naughty or nice, right? Those, those crazy ideas of God from when we were kids. Thank heavens it isn't that way. But because God is sort of ultimately unknowable, because God isn't a human, sometimes we don't ask the why questions. Sometimes we think, well, if I ask, if I try to find out why God would support me in this thing, it's unknowable. It's simply unknowable. Well, part of it isn't unknowable. We believe that God is everything. And I gotta tell you, I'm as much a thing as anything else, right? There is the spark of the divine that is in me. And so in my humanness even, all of us are a part 
of the divine. Because God doesn't simply stop at humankind and say, well, everything else is God, but these people are a little, a little dodgy, <laughs> right? No, we're all part of the divine. And so how does God feel love? God feels love through us. How does God feel uh, uh, comforted and warm and sufficient? Through us. How does God feel peaceful? Through us. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't have the ability to, to know what's going on on the planet other than through human eyes. Well, of course God does. But in the realm of human feelings, in the realm of humanness, how does God experience that? It's entirely through us. We are the eyes, the ears, the, the hands, the, the emotional body, if you will, of God as humans in that human way. And so God says yes to our prayers because God wants to experience the love that we can experience. God says yes to our, our dreams because those dreams become God's dreams. It's how God gets to experience more love. It's how God gets to experience more peace. It's how God gets to, to really viscerally feel what's going on. Without feeling creatures, God would not get to feel. And so from the very get-go, when we define God as everything, and we're part of that Godness, we're, we're part of the things that God is, well then, of course, God is going to treat us well because God is treating itself well. And so if you ever have that idea, am I worth it? Am I worth bucking this system of beliefs that have been handed down for centuries that, that cause pain and, and death and dismay? Absolutely you can buck that. God would be on your side. God doesn't like some of these beliefs that we as, as a group of people have, have glommed onto that create misery and heartbreak. Because it's us being represented as part of God. Of course, as we can transcend that, God would, God would do anything in God's power to make life more filled with love, more filled with hope, more filled with joy, more filled with peace, because that's how God gets to evolve itself using humanity as, as one of the tools, one of the implements for transformation. So if ever you're thinking to yourself, well, why would God be involved in my prayers and my desires? If you're ever perhaps thinking, well, my life is just so small and so insignificant, and especially when I compare it to that system of beliefs out there that, that causes such trouble on the planet, how can I hope to overcome that? Oh my gosh, you can hope to overcome that. It would be God's fondest personal dream, if God can be said to have a personal dream, and maybe not, maybe, maybe it is truly a collective kind of consciousness, but what I know is that we're part of it, and that our dream is also God's dream. Our life is part of God's life, and the best we can make it, God gets to enjoy it as well. And so, in as much as God can be said to have any kind of human motivations at all, no wonder God says yes, because God's looking out for God's self. As we improve, life improves. As we experience more love, the universe is more lovely. It's probably the point of having this kind of earthly life. 
Okay, enough of my segue. God's life is our life, and we can use that power. It's what God, I think, would want us to do. So the idea of putting on the new. Back to that initial Ernest Holmes quote. Putting off the old person so that we can put on the new person, the divine person. And I want to give you one more step in that process. So far this month, we've talked about, first of all, coming up truly with a desire, a desire of more love, of more life, a desire of having, I don't know, a great job or a loving relationship, something beyond where you are right now. And it may be a drastic change or it may be something more incremental, but something that really impassions us to see our own evolvement, if you will, a a dream of the future. And in week two, we talked about how to color that dream. We talked about the idea of having a mental equivalent, of having in alignment a set of beliefs and ideas, pictures even in our heads of what that new life would be like. How would I be? How would I feel? How would I exist in this new world in my own head that includes this big change? This more loving life or this more prosperous life or, or this more useful life or whatever it was we wanted to do. And then in week three, I got a little dangerous on us. If you'll remember, last week I said it was time not just to talk about it but to accept it. And I used the metaphor of making the assumption that whatever it was we desire that isn't quite in our life yet, it's as though it were in the next room. Remember that? It's like knowing that the popcorn is in the kitchen while you're still watching TV. I'm just waiting for that break. I'll go get the popcorn. You know, because I know it's there. It's mine. So last week I asked you to treat that, that goodness that you desire, that new, more powerful you, whatever it is, as though you already had it, as though it was simply just in the next room, but completely yours already. And to begin thinking of that new you, that new desire, that new way of being, as though you already had it. Well, today I want to take it up one more notch. Today, your homework is to add on to that to begin behaving in alignment with that new dream. So last week we said, yes, it's mine. I accept it. This week, I'd like to see you start acting it out. And so for myself uh, this week, in terms of, 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 of joy, I've begun really noticing that joy is all around me, and it's my attitude around the world, not having to set up anything in particular, not having to, to wait for something or to schedule something, that in every moment of my day, I can take little baby steps around bringing more joy into my life. And I've begun chronicling and journaling what some of those are. Now, I will say my life has upped the silliness quotient a little bit. Um, if there are thought police, uh, they, may, they may have been busy while Daniel and I were at a nursery yesterday. <laughs> but I got to tell you what a joyous day I had yesterday. And it didn't matter that I was an adult. And it didn't matter that I, I was still kind of dressed up a little bit. We had a lot of fun yesterday, just like we were kids. And it didn't require any planning. It didn't require a certain setup. It didn't require the moons to be in alignment or a vacation week. There was just joy. And we did it. Do you know what I mean? We caused it, not the stuff. We caused it. 
Now, what would this look like for you and your plans? Well, first of all, I don't know to a person the plans maybe you have for for that self-improvement, but I do have an idea of what some of them might be. Let's say one of your plans is to see more abundance in your life. What might be those initial steps, right? Because, for instance, for abundance, there's always that, that thought, well, I don't have it yet, so I can't, if I was abundant, I would spend some money, right? If I was abundant, I would buy that cruise I always wanted, or I would buy that new car, and I don't have it. So Larry, please don't tell me I should go out and get all those things and put them on credit, right? (laughs) And no, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, while you're in those, and who knows how short they might be, in that interim step of just knowing that your good's just in the kitchen, but you haven't quite seen it yet, nonetheless, you can do things to act out luxuriousness in your life that cost zero, right? You can hang out in places that are sumptuous and lovely for free. You can begin planning that vacation, not not as far as putting down your deposit for it, but you can begin planning that cruise that you always wanted to be going on. There are a million things you can do to feel luxurious, to be in alignment with being wealthy, if, if that's one of your goals. Similarly, I would say the same thing is true. Let's say you're wanting that, uh, that wonderful heightened new relationship with a special someone, right? And, uh, and you've prayed about it, you've accepted it in your own heart. What can you physically do? Well, first of all, I would ask, have you, have you made the room for that new person? And by that, I don't mean just physical room. I was talking to someone not too long ago who was uh, interested in, in having a new love in her life. And, uh, and I said, well, do you have room for it? And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, it seems to me just from trying to schedule this practitioner session that you are like the world's busiest woman. You have work, you, you have regular after-work activities, you volunteer someplace for charity. It's like, where would a partner fit into all this? And she, she, you could see, you, do you know when you talk to someone and the lights come on? It was like, oh shit, I could see her. <laughs> I could see in her mind that, oh my God. <laughs> but truly, is there room for what you want to experience in your life? Or are you so wound up in your life as it is now, there's no room for it? Right, right. You know, that it outpictures even more strongly for someone who's looking for, uh, looking for a job. I was talking to someone not too long ago about, about looking for a job. And, and uh, you know, she painted in her mind the most wonderful mental equivalent of a job that had uh, all of the right benefits and the, the right pay and, and, and where it was and how it was and how she was appreciated and all that. And I said, well, so what are your steps? What are, you know, if you've owned it already, if you're sensing it, um, what are your days like? And once again, she kind of looked at me and I said, well, are you getting up every morning, getting ready for work? She said, well, I'm not working. (laughs) I said, well, and, you know, sleeping until noon and wearing sweatpants is, you know, fine. But maybe the mental image of this office job that you're planning 
Maybe you could act as if. Maybe that would help you get into that mode of being employed in the way that you wish to be employed. Maybe you should be getting up at 7, making a good breakfast, packing a lunch, and get on Max to go downtown. And she said, you're not going to make me take Max downtown when I don't even have a job. And I said, well, I'm not going to make you do anything. But I would suggest to you... I would suggest to you, if you want to build another pattern for your life, include some details in it. Act as if you already have it. Otherwise, the, the, you know, the, you'll get the interview and, and, show, and show up in the sweatpants. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, mean? I mean, there are things that go with the things we want. And when we start acting as if we already have them, the way is paved. The ability then to accept it into our heart and to act on it suddenly is so, so very much more doable. All right, gosh, I've been talking for a long time about your homework, but I hope you've got it. It's to add that extra element to begin acting as if you already have that which you desire. So not just having a place for it in your heart, but actually having the the time for that new life, the, the new patterns that would go with that life. If it is to be yours, you can begin right now to accept it on a new level. I'm going to close tonight with a, another quick quote from Ernest Holmes here as he closes out this chapter in a prayer. He says, one may logically hold the certainty that God as us and in us also is us. That when we make a proclamation that it is God proclaiming and at simply the level of our personal consciousness. Therefore, the cosmos is reflected in or magnified by or through our individualness. One cannot say, why is humankind any more than one can say, why is God? Intelligence exists, and we interpret it. Therefore, we are its earthly representative. We are personifications of the infinite. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one love, one joy, one sweetness of all being, one peace, all that is good, all that is, every person, place, everything, every idea, all of it is God. And because this is true, I know that I am also part of that divine nature. And as it is true for me, each person in this room is divine. Those desires that are had, those dreams of the future are divine. And I know right now, unequivocally, that it is God's good pleasure to say yes to the dream of each person in this room. It's how we expand and evolve. It's how God expands and evolves. And the degree to which we hold it in our heart, the degree to which we accept it in our mind, the degree to which we begin acting upon it, is the degree to which we enjoy it. I simply accept for the people in this room a greater awareness of their own divinity, a greater awareness that the plans they have for improving their own lives is a plan for improving the planet. And I'm grateful for this. So grateful to be here in the presence of God as it takes the form of these blessed individuals. I simply let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here today. 
We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.